I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I hope you're having a fabuloso day. Uh, welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. There's my coffee. I'm Page. And today for our Bible portion, we're going to be looking at Exodus 21, which deals quite a bit with slavery. And I'm going to be totally, completely honest with you. Well, I've been totally, completely honest with you up until now anyway. So I don't know why I have to say that. But regardless, I recoiled in horror when I started reading this passage of scripture. Um, Because if there is a more evil manifestation of the sinfulness and hardness of a man's heart than slavery, I haven't seen it. Man's nature is to inflict injury on his fellow man. I mean, that's just, that seems to be proven day in and day out with the murders and the rapes and the and the injuries but the most evil manifestation of the evil that resides in a man's heart I think is found in slavery as we picture it in the African slave trade in the 16th 17th 18th and 19th century here in the United States um, and so when I read this passage of scripture they're going to read today it talks about slavery and at first glance, it appears to be advocating for that practice. And like I said, I recoiled in horror as I was reading through it. But on further investigation, that isn't really, we're talking apples and oranges here. And just so you know, Again, I'm going to make it absolutely clear. Slavery, as we visualize it, as we picture it, as we know it, as it happened in the in American, in the African slave trade, that is pure evil. And God does not condone that. And we're going to see that. And what they're talking about here is something a little different. And part of the confusion here is the English language. It's clumsy. It's not as um, descriptive as Hebrew or Greek. Uh, Hebrew and Greek, if you want to think about it, they're like three-dimensional languages. There's a height with depth to it, where English is like a pretty much a singular, flat, plain type language with no depth to it. And the original languages give much more meaning, richer meaning, and depth. And so when we look at today's passage of Scripture, 
it's talking about lots of things, but I'm going to focus on the slavery issue because that's the thing that grabbed my heart. And I, I, I don't mind hard questions. I don't mind hard subjects. I want something that's going to make me think and consider. And I'm not afraid to have my faith challenged. I'm not afraid of anybody who has a different opinion of mine. I am open to change. I'm open to having my horizons widened. And boy, did they get widened today. So uh, let's get started. Uh, we've just had the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, which we I spoke about is really setting out the covenantal relationship between God and Israel. Israel, if I'm truly your God and we have a relationship, you and I, then this is what that's going to look like. And by inference, if this is what it looks like when you're in a relationship with me, that anything, if you can, if you do not conform to that, or if that is not happening in your life, the inference is that we're not in right relationship. And Jesus showed that uh, the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments is not to be applied as a judicial code because it can't be kept. That's not the point. The point is relationship. If I'm truly the Lord your God and we have relationship, you and I, as a result, you will have no other God before me. And we talked about that yesterday. You, will have, you won't hurt your neighbor. You, will, uh, you won't steal from your neighbor. You will respect my Sabbath. If we truly have a relationship, these are going to be the outflow from that relationship. This is not to be used as a set of laws to govern you legally, like a set of laws, every a set of laws that every nation has. So that aside, now we're getting into uh, a set of laws that have a penalty for disobedience. So that the difference between what we're going to read today and what we read yesterday is simply what we read yesterday. This is what relationship with God looks like and the outflow of that relationship with God. What we're going to read today is, these are things you've got to do as a nation. These are laws with penalties, not implied, but delineated. So let's get started. Let's take a look at it. Uh, I have highlighted in red every statement that deals with slavery. And like I said, that's going to be the focus of today's devotional. These are the laws you're to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she's to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to the master and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and don't want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl, then he will be a servant for life. If a man sells his daughter as a servant, she's not to go free as male servants do. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed or bought back. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. If he selects her for his son, he must grant her the rights of a daughter. If he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. If he, the son, does not provide her these three things, food, clothing, marital rights, 
she's to go free without any payment or of money. Now, anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are to flee to a place that I will designate. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. There were sanctuary cities where if a man you accidentally killed somebody, you could flee to the sanctuary city where you would be safe until your uh, until your case was adjudicated. If anyone anyone who attacks their father or mother is to be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or still in the kidnapper's possession. This refers to slavery. All right, this is someone who kidnaps somebody else for the purpose of servitude. By this law alone, the African slave traders should have been killed. God does not approve of that. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. If people quarrel and one person hits another with a stone or with their fist and the victim does not die but is confined to bed, the one who struck the blow would not be held liable if the other can get up and walk around the outside with the staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time and see that the victim is completely healed. Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the hus- woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. An owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it, must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. Owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let that slave go free to compensate for the tooth. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death, and its meat must not be eaten, but the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring, and the owner has been warned but has not kept it penned up, and it kills a man or woman, the bull is to be stoned, and its owner also put to death. However, if payment's demanded, the owner may redeem his life by the payment of whatever is demanded. This law also applies if the bull gores a son or daughter. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave, and the bull is to be stoned to death. If anyone uncovers a pit or digs one and fails to cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the one who opened the pit must pay the owner for the loss and take the dead animal in exchange. If anyone's bull injures someone else's bull and it dies, the two parties are to sell the live one and divide both the money and the dead animal equally. However, if it was known that the bull had the habit of goring, yet the owner did not keep it penned up, The owner must pay animal for animal and take the dead animal in exchange. All right, that's chapter 21. Now I'm going to, again, I'm going to focus on the issue of slavery because again, that's the thing that just grabbed my attention. Um, Many people in the past have used the Bible to condone slavery. Um, Many people in the 
during the American, the African slave trade would sometimes go to the Bible and say, look, the Bible condones slavery. Look, here's chapter 21, Exodus, talks about slaves. Um, it's funny, they seem to miss that verse that says if you steal, you kidnap someone and uh, to sell them into slavery, you're, you should get the death penalty. They seem to have forgotten that verse. But let's talk a little bit about this, the culture of, they, they call it slavery and servitude. Uh, they call them a slave and a servant, uh, almost interchangeably in this passage of scripture. I got a, a, a document here that I went out and found. Um, slavery, ancient world, modern world. In the ancient world, it was an economic agreement, often to pay back a debt or to be taken care of. It was not perpetual. It did not transcend generations. It had set times where slaves could be set free. In other words, indentured servitude. Um, in America's early history, many Europeans who could not afford passage to the new world would indenture themselves to a wealthier individual and serve them for a period of time in order to pay them back for passage to the new world. And this would give them time to get established in the new world. And, uh, but after that period of time, they, it was, they could stay or leave. It was on them. It was their choice. It was their choice to go into indentured servitude and it was their choice to leave it when the contract was up. But modern world, and we're talking African slave trade, 1600s on, Slaves are forced into slavery by capture and sale. They were kidnapped. The whole industry of the West African trade was built off of stealing people against their will and treating them as if they aren't people made in the image of God. The Bible condemns this explicitly in the passage we just read. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. Treatment of slaves in the ancient world. The whole system of laws in place for much of ancient time Roman Empire kind of went screwy in the end, toward the end of its empire. To protect slaves from harsh treatment, clear example, slaves often were given an education and it was not essentially oppressive. They were servants. In the modern world, there were no rights or protections or freedoms. In the ancient world, slavery or servitude was almost never racialized. But in the modern world, the African slave trade, a whole system was built off of racial differences and prejudice. They were different. They deserved to be slaves. So that compares indentured servitude to, to abject slavery. Now, this passage of scripture we're talking about here, uh, also, it, we're going to find out later on in the Old Testament, there's a thing called the Day of Jubilee. And God declared that every 50 years, all servants were to be set free, all debt forgiven, land returned to their original families, and it would be basically a do-over. We'd start over. It was an economic, cultural, and personal reset, if you will. It was supposed to happen every 50 years. And uh, so there, this, when he's talking about slavery here in this pa these passages of scripture, it's not the African slave trade version of slavery. 
where a person has no rights, where a person has no uh, hope of freedom. Here, it's more, you. it was customary. Sometimes you couldn't pay a debt. You would contract with the person to be their servant for seven years or whatever term you wanted and could work out. And then uh, at the end of that term, you'd be set free again. Now, sometimes in this culture, parents would uh, put their children into indentured servitude to pay off a debt again. Um, so it's, it's still not a perfect system, but what we're talking about here is not the slavery that we immediately envision when that term comes up in our mind. Uh, the African slave trade was vile. And I, as I said before, I think it's one of the greatest expressions of man's ability to inflict evil upon other men. Um, but this is not that. This is different. Um, and there, there's a lot of choice left in the hand of the person who becomes the servant to stay with the owner or to leave the owner and go back to his free life. It's not the same thing. And so when you read this passage of scripture, realize that servant and slave are kind of used interchangeably here, the terms. And this is not the slavery that we envision when we talk about that term. Um, again, in verse 16, this is what this is a verse that condemns the slavery of the African trade, African slave trade. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether or not he sold them off. You, if you kidnap someone with the purpose of selling them into slavery, you are to be put to death. So that's the gist. That's the thing I focused on in this chapter. Now let's, let's look at a couple other things though. Um, Verse 12, what we would call manslaughter, not murder, strikes a person with a fatal blow to be put to death. However, if it's not done intentionally, God lets it happen there to flee to a place I'll designate. Now, the, the death penalty that it calls for in verse 12 is grounded not in disrespect of life, but in intense respect for the life of the innocent victim made in the image of God. If you are going to murder someone made in the image of God, you should pay the ultimate price yourself. That's what this says. You strike a person with a fatal blow, death penalty. Um, should be quick and decisive. And so the death penalty is rooted in respect for the life of the innocent. Yes, you're taking the life of a guilty man. You're taking the life of another human being. True that. But on a scale of justice, we must this, that scale must weigh heavily in favor of the victim. And the person who commits that crime should pay the ultimate price. You take the life, you give a life. Anyone who attacks her father or mother would be put to death. Hmm. Pretty harsh, huh? Anyone who curses their father and mother should be put to death. Oh my goodness. God takes the relationship between children and parents very seriously. 
right? Um, we hear, we, here's where we find the thing where, you know, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Uh, basically, what you do to someone else, the, the punishment should fit the crime, I should say. I guess that's the best way of putting it. Um, and if an owner of a slave or servant injures a servant in such a way they lose an eye or a tooth, that servant gets set free immediately, period. And uh, they don't owe anything anymore. So, in this passage of Scripture, in this chapter, we start seeing the laws being laid out for how Israel is supposed to deal with each other within their community. So, I'm going to stop it right here because uh, there's a lot of thinking I still have to do in this. I don't know if I've set you at ease about what this has to say about slavery, but my heart has been comforted in the sense that this is not condoning what we know as slavery. This is more of governing indentured servitude, which is not slavery. Um, so I don't know if that helps or hinders or or muddies things up or not, but that's kind of where I'm going to leave this. God does not condone what happened with the African trade slave, slave trade. Um, and this does not condone that. And I'm comforted a bit by that. So that's enough for today. Here's my coffee. I'm Paige. And I am out of here. Bye-bye. Oh, this was a hard subject, wasn't it? Uh, there's still a lot of dialogue and thinking that needs to be done on it. But know this. Man's nature is inherently evil. And as I said before, I believe slavery is the ultimate representation of the evil that resides in mankind's heart. And God does not condone that slavery. I welcome your comments. I welcome your input. Um, I'm hoping to get some of that because uh, we need to dialogue about this stuff. <sighs> and remember, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. My thoughts shouldn't be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself. Bye-bye.